Welcome to Rush Hockey Talk, brought to you by Rush Hockey, trusted guidance, unrivaled success. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Katorji, and this is our podcast series. This is definitely the place to be if you want to learn how to pave your way in the world of youth hockey. So get ready, because you're going to hear some amazing interviews with premier personalities, coaches, scouts, players, celebrities. We got them all. Rush Hockey for over 25 years, experts in evaluation, over 10,000 alumni. It's unmatched. It's Rush Hockey Talk, and it's here. Another episode of Rush Hockey Talk is here, and today we're going to have another interesting guest, but before we get to our guest, I just wanted to see Josh. Josh Pyro is with me today. How your uh, skills night was last night. I know the office here has been pretty busy, but what happened last night at uh, Hockey Skills? It was absolutely freezing. <laughs> My hands and toes were totally numb, but uh, anything for the kids. No, I had a couple good sessions, but yeah, the rink was super cold last night. It's pretty amazing here at this office. We got people doing admin work. We got Josh running around arenas, scouting games. You got me on the phone. So we tend to go pretty crazy here quite often. So any interesting stories last night? Any uh, any pretty cool players you see? Nope. They were all pretty young. Uh, I bet you never know. You know, they they uh, climb the hockey ladder, get to a school like maybe Quinnipiac, and they, they turn into a star. So you never know. It's a good segue because today we have Eddie Ardito on the line. Eddie Ardito is coach at Quinnipiac University, and I think we got him on the line right now. Eddie, can you hear us? Hey, Kelly, how are you? It's good to hear your voice. It's been a while since I've run into you in the arenas. Thanks so much, Eddie, for helping us today on our Rush Hockey Talk podcast series. We will bring up a couple topics today, but our main interest is we're going to ask you to help educate the parents a little bit about recruiting especially not just identification, but how you communicate, more importantly, with parents and players. And it's a, it's quite a, a topic that we get over our telephone here in the office quite regularly. And parents definitely need a little bit of guidance, trusted guidance and education on the topic. So further ado, Eddie, give us a little bit of your background, Eddie Ardito, Quinnipiac University. Yeah, well, I guess I'm going on my 12th year of being involved in coaching now. It's, uh, it's gone by really fast, but uh, yeah, I started right out of college as a graduate assistant at uh, New England College, where I played, and um, ended up being the women's coach there for half the season as the head coach, and, and that kind of got the ball rolling, and then I was lucky enough to uh, get a job at uh, Connecticut College, and Working on the men's side um, as an assistant there as a kind of a kind of a graduate assistant, but uh, really low pay, and they gave us free food and housing, so that was a great deal. Um, so I was there for three years, and then I uh, worked at Yale for five, and and then moved over here four years ago to Quinnipiac, and uh, been here ever since. And it's been an amazing journey. I've learned a lot, and um, like I said, the time has just gone by really fast. Well, they say time flies when you're having fun, Eddie, and. I'm sure you are, and you're in some pretty good company there. Uh, tell us a little bit about, about your coaching staff and Cass Turner and Amanda Mazada. 
Yeah, they say to surround yourself with good people. Um, so I, I make sure to do that. Uh, Cass and, and Amanda, uh, better known as Maz, uh, are two of the best in the business. Um, I learn something new every day from those guys. Um, and Cass is just so detail-oriented in everything that we do um, here as a staff, but also as a team. Um, you know, we plan everything out from from what we do in practice to the for the whole week. And they're they're um, they're just so good at everything uh, from conversations with players to skill development to game preparation, everything. And like I said, I've learned so much from those guys. Um, and Amanda with the uh, with the goalie stuff, um, she's taken our goalie. Goalies to a new level from Sid Rossman to um, to our current goalie right now, Abby Ives. Um, brought them to some of the best goalies in the country, and they get better and better every day with her. You also have a unique dynamic. Uh, your director of hockey operations is Paul Nemitz Carlson, who is Cass's husband. Yeah. Uh, another uh, Elmira connection. Tell us a little bit about Paul and, and what he does for you guys and what he means to the program. Yeah, absolutely. Paul's like the the keeper of the program. He's uh, we we kind of joke sometimes that he's the the general manager kind of as as he has the visions of everything. But you know, Paul started here at Quinnipiac a long time ago when the program first started. Kind of left and then came back again. And um, you know, he's takes so much pride in our program and making sure that our girls have everything that they need um, and making sure that our program is uh, well, not just well funded, but also well. Um, that's the word I'm looking for here. Just like everything we need, he he's able to provide for us. Um, and he's just has he's like the keeper of the program as far as the stats, the um, the history of the program. Um, and he takes a lot of pride in that. So, um, and he's great hockey knowledge as well. Helps our staff a lot. Um, during the week as far as keeping us on track of who we're playing, uh, helps us with some scouting reports and things like that. But. Um, as far as that, he's also doing the um, playing a lot of the Frozen Four this year as Quinnipiac's hosting the Frozen Four uh, here in March. So he's the lead person in that right now and and uh, putting a lot of work into that um, to make sure that that uh, that event goes out goes on without a hitch. Hey, Eddie, is it common for a Division One program to have a director of hockey operations? I know that typically there is three coaches. Yeah. How does it work? How does it work? And, and do other schools do this? It's becoming more and more common now. Um, it's the director of hockey ops. Some schools have, you know, one for both programs. Uh, we're lucky here at Quinnipiac to have one for the men and one for the women. Um, and they kind of do their, their, their separate jobs, which is really nice. Um, it just takes a lot of work off of the coaches plates so that we can kind of just focus in on the recruiting aspect and, the X's and O's part. Um, the director of hockey ops kind of does everything from video to, you know, from video all the way down to playing the meals and, and travel and all that stuff. So they, they kind of have different roles throughout the, throughout the staffs. Depends on what the staff does and what the staff um, gives to the director of hockey ops. But, but they, um, they, they're such an important part to helping our staff, the staffs that have director of hockey ops that um, they really help them take stuff off the coach's plate and kind of just focus in on, like I said, the recruiting and the uh, X's and O's part, but it's becoming more and more common. And it's a, it's a, it's a really important part of, of each staff. So let's then transition to actual recruiting today. We want to focus a little bit on communication. I know there's a lot of confusion when it comes to communication between colleges and parents 
And can you tell us a little bit about texting, emailing, phone calling when it comes to a potential recruit? What are the rules? And then on top of it, how do you handle communication, frequency, things of that nature? Yeah, well, I guess it's it's kind of a a, a different question because we're all going to be uh, changing our rules here in the next little bit. But for right now, um, you know, anybody who's in grade eight, grade nine, grade ten, you know, a coach isn't allowed to pick up the phone and call them. Um, they can talk to their their coach. Um, they can talk to their team. Um, you know, the head of their team, the team manager, but they're not really allowed to pick up the phone and call them directly. Um, we can take phone calls from those 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 families that are in grade eight, grade nine, grade ten. We can take emails, but we're never really allowed to respond back. Um, same thing with text. Once they get to grade eleven, um, they're allowed. We're allowed to communicate back and forth, um, and that's kind of what the rules have been for the past. You know since hockey started basically. Um, but now they're changing the rules a little bit and that's going to be coming out here in April and that might just throw a wrench in some, some of the communication. Um, but for now it'll stay that way. So just quickly and, and, and especially here in our office, we're constantly, constantly being asked about the new rules. Are you still in the dark as to what is going to happen? Um, a little bit, but we all have our, ins and ins on it but uh as of right now the word on the street would be that uh, we won't be able to communicate with with anybody in grade eight grade nine grade ten um until they're in grade 11 isn't that what you go to naples for eddie go down there and figure out all the rules and change it <laughs> exactly <laughs> hey i wanted to ask you you know when when a decision has been made on a player um you know tell us about the conversations with the coaching staff and you know whether you're going to offer them, you know, a full scully, or if you have a two for four, or, you know, I know you have to look and see how much money you have left up left, but how does, you know, talk us through that. Yeah. I think every program handles that differently and, and that's kind of up to that program. But, you know, for speaking for us, we, you know, some schools will go with all 18 scholarships and that's it. Um, I think different schools will play with money differently. Um, you know, I think one of the big points to that is, understanding that no matter if you're a full scholarship, if you're a partial scholarship, if you're a full walk-on, that you're valued the same as, as a full scholarship player. You're valued the same as a, as a walk-on um, because it's important that when you're part of a team that we value each player the same way. Um, and when we're discussing this, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's not really like, oh, this kid's this good, this, so we're only going to give her this amount of money. This kid's this good. We're going to give her a full scholarship. It's Sometimes it's from where, you, where you're from. Sometimes it's, hey, they're really smart and we can combine some academic and athletic money together to get you to what the cost of attendance is. Um, maybe we can get a deal that way. So it's all about getting the best players on your team and building the depth of, of your roster. Um, but it's very, it's not, you know, there's no mad science to it, really. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you about walk-ons, something we haven't brought up yet on, on the podcast, talking to other coaches. Uh, tell me your opinion about that. Are you guys open to that? Or is there ever, you know, a diamond in the rough that, that decides to go to Quinnipiac or you kind of encourage a walk-on or uh, talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we like to call them recruited uh, non-scholarship players. And they're very important to our program. A couple of years ago, we had a player that played a, a very, very important role for us in the playoffs. That was, um, you know, 
basically a recruited non non scholarship player for us and they're just as important. They they provide depth to our program when there's injuries. They're ready to step right in and, and play a important role um, in our team. And we've had kids that have been on, you know, say the the fourth line and, and moved up to the first line. And you know, we had a, one player a couple years ago not playing any games her freshman year and came back and and had 13 points as a as a sophomore. And that's um, that just talks about your depth of your team and. You always want to get the best players, like I said, and and uh, it doesn't matter if they have full scholarships or if they're paying their, their own way. We want our job as coaches to make them better uh, all the way up until their last last practice, last game, last shift of their career, and and uh, we'll put just the, amount, the same amount of work in um, for that player as, as a full scholarship player because if we can get all of our forwards or all of our defense playing at, at a high level, that means that we have a really strong program and, and a really deep program. Eddie, what happens when you commit to a player? What's the process you follow after the commitment? For example, communication. How often are you communicating with them? Is there a general fear of decommitment? How do you handle communication after you've committed to a player, whether it's verbal or you've actually signed a player? Yeah, I think that's something that we do really well here. Um, we we have a we kind of put it on the player. We have a, um, a system in place that once a, once a player um, commits to us, no matter what grade they're in, um, it's on them to, to check in with us once a month. And we check in and it's all three coaches. Um, so they'll talk to me once, once and then they'll, the next month they'll call Amanda and the next month they'll call Cass. Um, and it's a way for us to just to keep get, keeping them excited about everything, keeping them in the loop about everything and also about development too. And we might have seen them play um, in that, month's time frame we might have seen practice and we're just talking about things that we want to keep seeing them grow in um and it's really put the onus on that player so it's you know because we have kids committed for the next three four years so it's it's hard to keep track of all that and to keep making sure we're checking in with all of them so that's why we kind of put it on the player and then and they're really good about reaching out to us and setting up those times and and um, talking to them but it's really important so when they get here, they know what to expect as far as the coaching, the, the amount of feedback that they're going to get, and just the relationships that they're going to have with all three coaches. Um, it's It's been a really successful program for us as far as how we, when we commit a kid and, and the track that they go through all the way till they get here. Um, it makes the time go by faster too, um, but also, like I say, it really prepares them for um, when they step onto campus their freshman year about everything that they're going to get as far as coaching feedback and um it's like i said it's it's helped that build that relationship with each player our feedback in our office here about quinnipiac is is always positive it's quite a popular school and of course your staff has always had rave reviews from parents that we've talked to when it comes to how you deal with those parents that's pretty that's pretty cool and when it comes to I i wanted to ask you about about seeing practices how often will you actually go to a committed recruits practice? That that must be tough to do. You're, you're typically traveling uh, incredible distances to see one or two players. How hard is that to do? Yeah, it's hard, but it's you know it's a lot. Of, you, you get a lot out of practice, and because um, you see, you go to these we'll call them showcases or tournaments or whatever the case may be, and you know you're able to see a game, and you're running around to the next game, running around the next rink, and so forth, but. To be able to see a practice, you kind of see what the habits are of, of a player, what um, you know, how they're taking the coaching, how they're valuing each rep of a drill, um, and we 
when you get to the college level, you actually spend more time practicing than you do playing in, in games. Um, so, you know, we practice four days out of the week and only play twice, twice a week. So when you um, spend more time in that practice, you want to see what you're getting out of, out of that player and, and their details in practice because it's really important. Uh, but we'll go the great lengths to go see players practice and our community kids practice. And we'll try to go at least once or twice a year, especially if we're in, in an area where we're going up to a tournament over the weekend, maybe leave a day or so earlier just to go up and, and catch, a, um, catch a player in that setting. Shifting topics here, Eddie, a little bit. Uh, you compete in the ECAC, uh, very strong conference. Uh, just wanted to talk to you, you know, talk a little bit about the travel uh, and, you know, what are some of your favorite barns to play in and what are some tougher places that you, you dread going to? Yeah, I think it's the ECAC. Is, uh, you know, you talk to any coach and they'll say their conference is the best, but um, the ECAC has been one of the best conferences here in the, in, in this uh, last, you know, say last 10 years um, you see Clarkson's won three national championships. We had Colgate and Clarkson in the, um, in the national championship game. And I think it's because our schedule, the way we play a different opponent um, from Friday to Saturday and the way we have to prepare all week for, for those opponents is something that helps us when we get to the national stage and, and we're playing in the national tournament um, that we're ready to play these different teams where, you know, other conferences play the same team back to back. Um, but the travel for us at Quinnipiac is not that bad. I mean, we we're only a couple hours from Boston, and when we go play at Yale and Brown, we're not staying in hotels. And our farthest trip is probably the Clarkson St. Lawrence, so that's probably like six seven hours, and and we do that once a year. So besides that, everything's in this New England area, and it's probably about five hours or less. So we don't miss much school. We try to leave after uh, class on Thursday and and um, head up to where we have to go, unless we're leaving for a farther trip. We'll leave a little earlier than that, but. Um, you know, the travel is pretty, is really nice. We're not getting on planes every week. We're not missing a ton of class and, and our kids don't have to travel with tutors and all that stuff. So it's, it's really doable. Sounds like you're in the old Patrick division of the national hockey league. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, uh, as far as favorite places to play, I know we love playing at, um, at St. Lawrence and Clarkson. Those are fun places to play. Same thing with, uh, Colgate Cornell. Like those are fun places to play. I wouldn't say Cornell is my favorite rink at all, but uh, it's a it's a fun atmosphere. So, Eddie, in a minute or less, let's end on this topic. Give me a little bit of your attitude on youth hockey. Is it improving? Do you see better coaching today than than in history? Give us your overview of what you see in arenas regularly. Yeah, I think it's just in women's hockey in general. It's the depth of players are getting um, deeper and deeper and you can find players out West. You can find them out East. You can find them in the central area, but um, I just think coaching is getting deeper. The, there's the players are getting better and better. Um, there's just, you know, maybe it'd be great if kids were playing less games and trying to work on their skills and practice a little bit more. But, um, but that's kind of what youth hockey is all about is playing games and, and going around the different tournaments. But at the same time, um, you know, you're seeing less superstars, but you're seeing more really good players. And I think that's showing how much women's hockey is growing in, in, in general. Um, and I'm really excited to see where it goes in the next, you know, 10 to 15 years. We talk about that quite often, actually. You bring up a good point because Josh does a lot of skill work yeah. here in the greater Toronto area. And we, we always comment on number of games players play versus practice time and it seems right now that we've shifted to more of 
a higher game, less practice type mentality. So you right. bring that up. It's, it's it's pretty interesting you bring that up. Have you actually seen compared players? Are, have you been able to do a study about that at all? I haven't, no. I haven't had that much time to do that. But uh, but it would, you know, it's hard to uh, cut back on the number of games. But you talk to some coaches and they're like, you know, we play 100 games. We play 90 games in a season. It's like, well, gee, that's a lot. But they're getting a lot of experiences with the, the game prep. You know, sometimes it's that, you know, are you working on your shot? Are you working on your skating? Like, where do you where do you fit that into your to your development piece? Because the games are obviously important. That's like the end goal. But what are you doing to get to that? Be that best player? Because you know that's what separates the Olympians from just really good players. Is they have the skating, they have the shot, they have the hockey IQ, and and sometimes you can't get all that just from from your uh, from your game play. Yeah, yeah, I, re- I really agree with you there. It's it's absolutely insane uh, playing a hundred games in a season. You know, professional <laughs> hockey players don't play that much, and right. it's just ridiculous. But hey, we want to wrap it up with you. We, wanna, we really appreciate your time. Uh, awesome talking with you, buddy. Um, we will talk with you soon, and I'll see you on the road here. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait to see you guys, and looking forward to uh, the Rush Showcase in in, uh, in June. We appreciate every time you help us out, Eddie. It's Again, much appreciated. And thanks again. Signing off here, uh, Josh and Kelly. Appreciate it. See you, buddy. No problem. Thanks, guys. We want to thank our listeners for tuning in to another episode of Rush Hockey Talk, the place to be to get informed about youth hockey. Rush Hockey Talk, trusted guidance, unrivaled success. Mm-hmm.